This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. I've got a lot of stuff to cover here on this episode. I'm covering some of the interesting results that I found out uh, that occurred during Scottsdale for RM Sotheby's big sale they had there uh, two weeks ago or so. So I wasn't there in person, unfortunately. I did have a couple cars in the sale that did sell, thankfully. Uh, some really nice cars, and there were some great offerings, and it was a great uh, result. Even so, I think there's a few things we can garner from how the collector car marketplace is going based on these results. So I've kind of broken this up into a lot of different kind of sub buckets. So if you would entertain me and uh, check this out, listen to what I have to say. You may agree, you may not agree. One little bit of car news before that is I just had dinner with a good friend of mine, Chuck, and we talked cars and he alerted me to the fact that Moss is coming out with a hybrid rotary engine some type of sport ute so i want to do some more information i want to look into this a little bit more and find out more about it because it's cool that the rotary is coming back in some form at mazda so stay tuned for some more information about that so the first car i want to do now if you're catching watching me on youtube you'll see some of the pictures of these cars pop up on screen here so if you're listening to audio only you can always go to youtube and check this out i will give you some of the highlights per car um, I am multitasking if you're watching the YouTube video, so uh, I've got a lot going on behind the scenes here to bring you not only the audio aspect of it, but the video aspect as well as some pictures. So uh, I categorize this first bucket as surprising results. So these are some results I just thought were interesting. They kind of bucked a trend when it comes to what's happening in the collector car marketplace nowadays. And mostly I relate this to cars from the 50s and the 60s. As you know, there's been a demographic change uh, going on here where, you know what, if a 1957 Thunderbird was your dream car, chances are you're trying to unload it right now as you liquidate a large part of your collection, which has depressed prices on some of the cars from the 1950s and even from the 1960s. Now, there's always outliers and there always will be what I call the pinnacle cars. So, you know, like a 57 Chevy or a 58 Cadillac Brome. I think those will always buck the trend because they're the best of the best for any particular generation of cars. So the one I'm calling out here, and I have the picture on YouTube right now, is a 1959 Buick LeSabre hardtop custom coupe. The estimate was eighty dollars to $100,000. The hammer sold all in for just under $130,000, so it exceeded the high estimate. Now, coming out with an estimate for a car at an auction is a uh, fine science. The car specialists work very hard looking at recent sales uh, to find out what's going on in the marketplace to do their best job to identify what this car would sell for. This was a really tough one because it's a custom-built, kind of a hot-rodded Buick. Uh, very cool. Let's see. Color built by Color on Wheels of Denver, Colorado. A lot of unique touches. And the thing about these types of cars, you know, just because they're unique touches for the person who builds it, doesn't mean you're going to find a buyer who also likes those unique touches. So it has a 540-inch cubic inch V8, automatic transmission, outlaw shifter, really, really cool car. I was just surprised that this actually exceeded the high estimate. Typically, any type of resto mod slash hot rod are tough sales where getting even a fraction of the build cost back is usually pretty tough. So this was a surprising result. 
and definitely worth it. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. Looks like it's top quality build, but just a hard sale. So I was, uh, I was pleased to see that that one did so well. Now I mentioned T-Birds a second ago, and this next car I'm bringing up is a T-Bird. It's a rarer T-Bird. Uh, this one's a 1962 Ford Thunderbird M-Coat Sports Roadster. Now the Roadsters were definitely rarer. The estimate on this one was $125,000 to $150,000, black with red interior. Now this one was offered from a family collection, so probably a well-known collection. The quality of the cars within the collection were probably well-known, which gives this some nice provenance, gives you some secure, a secure feeling when you're bidding on this car. This one sold for $196,000, almost $200,000 all in for this uh, Thunderbird M-Code. So one of 120 sports roadsters, M-Code Thunderbirds produced for 1962. It was restored by a marquee specialist in the early 1990s. So it's not a fresh restoration, but it looks like it's in absolutely perfect condition. The M-Code is a 390 cubic inch V8, three two-barrel carburetors. So that's pretty rare. Won a lot of awards, AACA. Uh, very, very cool. Now, the Haggerty one-year trend, just for reference, up 10.1%. That kind of goes with the rest of the entire collector car industry being up over the last few years. I do think we have peaked. I think the peak probably happened about two months ago, and you'll only see cars decline right themselves uh, in the foreseeable future. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. Usually it takes uh, six months of history, eight months of history to see what the true trends were. Uh, but beautiful car. And that one sold very strongly, and that one definitely surprised me. All right, the next one is another car from the 1950s, a 1956 Chrysler 300B. This is of the letter series. I've always loved the Chryslers. I drive a Chrysler 300C right now. That's my daily, 2014. Uh, I would love to have one of these earlier Chryslers. Now, this one, the estimate was ninety dollars to $120,000. And this one hammered, sold all in for $145,600, a lot of money. Now this was restored to a high standard in 2012 by Mopar experts. This one has the desirable high compression 354 cubic inch firepower V8 engine with dual four barrel carburetors producing 355 horsepower. Tractive color combination, red with tan interior. Just stunning and beautiful. I wouldn't call it the most attractive letter car from the 50s. I would say a 57 300C would be more attractive, but it's just stunning. Well documented. Now here's an interesting point. The one year trend is actually slightly down, minus 0.8%, basically flat. But this car again, sold for extremely, uh, sold extremely well considering the trends recently in the marketplace. And this one was definitely in my uh, surprising bucket. Now the next one, and, and uh, I call this clawing their way to the low estimate. So when you're making your estimates for these cars, you try to capture most recent trends, like I said before. The market has been so hot lately that sometimes you cannot you know, catch up with what the car's value had increased to. So for example, uh, if you, you know, a car typically sells for $100,000, you think it's doing really well. Recent auction results have been very strong. So you put a low estimate of $120,000 on it, a high estimate of $140,000, and it hammers for $150,000. It just might be you're not keeping up with the demand on these cars. So I think this is another 
uh, sign that the marketplace has slowed recently and that a lot of these cars basically clawed their way to the low estimate. I think the estimates were good. They were strong. Um, I just think that the market is slowing. So the first one is the 1987 Mercedes-Benz 560 SL. I've said this many times before. Uh, if the car, for a long time, if the car had 100,000 miles on it, it was worth $10,000. If it had 10,000 miles on it, it was worth $100,000. Now that scale has increased over the last two years or so. So that $100,000 car now, that 100,000 mile car is now probably worth closer to seventeen dollars or $18,000. And the 10,000 mile car is worth closer to probably one thirty, one hundred and forty thousand dollars So it's just kind of scaled up. The estimate on this car was fifty to sixty thousand dollars. It hammer sold for just under fifty thousand dollars, just a hair over forty-seven thousand dollars. Now this was a wonderful two-owner low mileage example. I don't know the mileage offhand. Uh, it's white with uh, dark blue interior, dark blue uh, soft top. Uh, I'm sorry, royal blue leather interior. Five-point-six liter V8 engine. Very very iconic, cool car that's been gaining. Uh, gaining value in the marketplace for a number of years now and it hit slightly low estimate uh the one-year trend is up 12.4 percent i think if you would looked you know have looked six months ago that would have been up probably 30 40 percent so again an example of the market slowing all right the next one was the big the big car for the scottsdale auction the 2014 ferrari la ferrari now the estimate on this car i actually think this is one of the prettiest ferraris made in a long time Estimate was four million to four point five million. Hammer sold with the buyer's fees just a hair over four million dollars. Again, just got barely over the low estimate, including the buyer's fee. The one-year trends up thirteen point three percent. This one had just under thirty-two hundred miles. Uh, so another example of uh, probably the market slowing. Just a beautiful color. It's like a blue. Electrico over crema leather. Wonderful color combination on this car. All right, the next bucket I wanted to talk about is the NASCAR. So there were a couple NASCAR race cars in this auction. And my heading for this is the NASCARs are just not there yet. So the estimates are probably a um, little harder to come up on these uh, NASCARs. I know that there's a lot that goes into the provenance of these cars. Who drove the cars? What were the racing results? What was the race? A lot of stuff went into these. So the first one's a 2007 Chevrolet Impala SS NASCAR Jimmy Johnson car. Uh, the estimate was 150 to 200 thousand dollars. Hammer sold at 134.4. This is a key component of Jimmy Johnson's unbeaten five-season NASCAR Ch Cup championship streak, driven by Johnson at Martinsville and Phoenix during the 2007 season. I think these are just not appreciated yet. I know there's some racing series where you can actually drive these cars. They are definitely iconic. They're definitely amazing, incredible cars. They're not as hard to work on as a lot of the other race cars that have been going selling for incredible amounts recently. I'm referencing mostly the Formula One cars. So the estimate being 150 to 200 may be a little optimistic, but it's probably where it needs to be. And yet it still did not meet the low estimate. All right. The next one is one of Jimmy Johnson's competitors. It's a 2013 Chevrolet SS NASCAR Jeff Gordon edition. So the estimate on this one was 100 to 150 and it hammered sold just under $90,000. I do think that if you want to have a true NASCAR, 
go after the big names, the Dale Earnhardt Juniors, the Jimmy Johnsons, the Jeff Gordons. Get one of their championship cars right now. I don't think they'll go down in the future. Uh, I think it's a great time to buy these. They're just not appreciated. Now, this one was his primary road course car for the 2013 NASCAR Cup season, driven at Sonoma Raceway, finishing second, and Watkins Glen. Uh, if I were to have one of these, I'd want to go for one of the championship cars, maybe one that finished first or was in the championship race at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, just really, really cool cars. I just feel like, you know what, the market hasn't awakened to these yet, but it will get there. Now, another thing that kind of pointed to me that these trends are slowing are the Porsches. Now, there's a couple Porsches here. First one I'll talk to is an iconic 1997 Porsche 911 Turbo S. Let's see, estimate was 550 to 650, and a hammer sold for just under $550,000. Now, keep in mind that the hammered price included the 10 or 12% buyer's fee. So the actual hammer price was less than 550. Uh, this is one of 183 examples produced for North America in 1997. This is one of my favorite Porsches. You've got the extra scoop at the rear haunches for the rear brake ducts. Um, it's got the whale tail. I remember when these came out new, I absolutely loved them. Uh, let's see, this one was showing only 22,000 miles on it at the time of cataloging. The one year trends up 15.4%. Uh, and yet this one barely reached the uh, low, actually did not reach the low estimate, but got pretty close. All right, the next one is pretty iconic. It's a 19, I'm sorry, a 2009 Ferrari 430 Scuderia. Estimate on this car was 500 to 750. So that is a big wide range for that car. Hammered sold all in just under $430,000. Let's see, this one's basically a brand new car, just 644 miles on the odometer at the time of cataloging. It's black over black. Those aren't the official Ferrari <laughs> paint descriptions. Uh, powered by the 4.3 liter V8 engine, F1 super fast automated manual transmission. Uh, the one year trend on these is very strong, up 37.4%. Uh, and yet this one did not quite make the low estimate. Very interesting, very, very cool car. All right, the next one's another Porsche, a very significant Porsche here, 2011 Porsche 911 GT3 RS. Now this one, maybe the colors put a little bit into it. It's uh, blue with dark charcoal interior, but it's got the red graphics, including the red wheels. Uh, in my mind, not the most attractive color combination on one of these cars, but it is a GT3 RS. Uh, let's see, four to $600,000 was the estimate. They hammered, sold for just over $400,000, $406,500. Ultra rare, low mileage, 997.2 generation GT3 RS, the last offered with a manual transmission and benefiting from mid-cycle updates, including higher output flat six. If I were to have another Porsche right now, it would be one of the 997.2s. Uh, wouldn't have to be the GT3, could be a base Carrera. I would love to have one of those. All right, believed to be one of only 100 produced for 2011 and one of 571 total with more with the more potent 3.8 liter engine. Now, again, this is a brand new car showing only 374 miles on the odometer. All right, let's see. Cool car for sure. 
All right, the next one is another Porsche. A lot of Porsches here that seem to uh, seem to be softening a bit. This one's a 1993 Porsche Turbo S Lightweight. So this is definitely an iconic Porsche Turbo. Estimates one to $1.3 million. A hammered sold just under low estimate at $962,000. One of just 86 Turbo S Lightweight examples engineered by Porsche to weigh over 400 pounds less than the standard Turbo S. This particular car was delivered new to Japan, imported to the US in 2015. Let's see, numbers matching engine. Uh, let's see, speed yellow over black and gray upholstery with a black headliner. Uh, definitely an iconic, amazing car from the factory. Uh, again, sold just under low estimate. Sold correctly, but just under uh, the low estimate. All right, the next one is one of the iconic Porsches, the 2005 Porsche Carrera GT. These have been very interesting for a long time because these are kind of considered one of the blue chip cars you want to follow when you want to see how healthy is the collector car marketplace. The estimate was 1.2 to $1.4 million. That seems dead on. This is kind of that a seal gray over terracotta leather. I love the terracotta interior. Uh, it's just really, really beautiful. So uh, it hammered just over low estimate at $1.242 million. Uh, this one had less than 13,000 miles uh, at the time of cataloging. The one-year trend is up 26.7%. Uh, this one barely made it to the low estimate, so these might be slowing down a little bit. Uh, but absolutely beautiful, stunning car. All right, talking about absolutely beautiful, stunning car. Not all of you will agree with me on this one, but the next one is the 1992 Ferrari F40. Again, this is another one of the blue chip collectibles. You can kind of watch and see how the market's trending. Estimate is $2.2 million to $2.8 million. Sold just under 2.2 at 2.15. Uh, this is iconic. It's got the red with the factory red cloth uh, seats. I just saw five of these, helped judge five of these down at Cavallino two weekends ago. All of them were unbelievable. This one has less than 13,000 miles, which is actually pretty high mileage for one of these cars. Uh, let's see, has a couple owner, previous owners. One year trend on these, these have been going through the roof over the last few uh, years of 26.9%. Three years ago, two years ago, you could have bought one of these for $1 million. Nowadays, this one at 2.15 is probably considered a bargain. But again, slightly higher mileage and a big part of this includes what servicing has, has been done on these cars recently because uh, there's a lot of expense with the servicing aspect for these cars. All right, now some of these, this next bucket I call some blue chips have performed. So these are some of those blue chip cars I think did tremendously well at auction and continue to grow. The first one is a 1971 Ferrari 365 GTB4, also known as the Daytona. This is one that I picked for my bull market list. I believe that these are going to go up in price, mostly because uh, Dinos are now seven hundred dollars to $800,000 cars if you're looking at a number one Concorde condition one. It's just crazy to me that those would trade for a higher dollar amount than the V12 front engine Daytonas. So I think they will catch up. And this one kind of proves that point. The estimate was five fifty dollars to $600,000. Hammered sold for six sixty-five. Uh, let's see, this is Ros Rosso Chiaro over Nero. So red over black. Uh, two private owners, including 46 years of custody 
by the first caretaker. It has the Daytona seats in it. Factory equipped with air conditioning and power windows. Uh, less than 30,000 miles on it. Uh, iconic car. A uh, one-year trend is up 16.3%, and this one overperformed, uh, went above the high estimate pretty significantly. All right, the next one is one that was the subject of one of my previous podcasts here. It's the 1969 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray ZL1 convertible. So if you listen to my podcast, you know that I had the original owner on of this iconic car, incredible car, one of two factory 1969 ZL1 Corvettes ever built. The estimate was 2.6 to $3 million on this car. Hammer sold for over $3.1 million. And this was really cool because Kevin McKay, Corvette historian, Corvette expert, uh, previous podcast guest, he actually restored this car. We had the original owner on. A lot of incredible documentation. Uh, Won a lot of the big shows, Bloomington Gold Certified. A lot of cool stuff about this car, how historic this car is, and it overachieved expectations. All right, we've got just a few more here. The next one, ironically, is another Porsche. So this is a 2011 Porsche 911 Speedster. So Porsches had, I think it's six generations of Speedsters now. The first one was the 356 Speedster from the 50s. Uh, All the ones after that have been 911 Speedsters. They've mostly been uh, kind of heritage additions, you know, to pay tribute to the original 356 Speedster. So this is the 2011. These are quite collectible because of the fact that they are Speedsters. They're not all that attractive. Some of them are more attractive than others. But if you're a serious Porsche collector, you want to have one from every generation. And this is the 997 generation. The estimate was 300 to $350,000. Hammer sold for 368,000, so it exceeded high estimate. They only made 356 examples, which is obviously based on the first Speedster, the 356. This one is pure blue over black leather. Now the one year trend on these is flat, 0.0%. This one has less than 4,000 miles on it, so it's probably filling out one of those big-time collections. Uh, Or hopefully it's a new collector that just bought their very first Porsche, and they're going to enjoy it. All right, the next one is one of those iconic analog supercars. It's a 1994 Lamborghini Diablo VT. This one really overperformed. If you talk to Countach owners, you talk to Diablo owners, they'll tell you the Diablo is a much better driving car in almost every respect. Uh, And it's a gorgeous car. I love the Countach and I absolutely adore the Diablo as well. The estimate on this one was $250,000 to $300,000. Hammer sold for $379,000. Now this is a US market example from the first year production. It's red with tan interior, champagne leather interior, pardon me. It's option with the carbon fiber rear wing, has a 5.7 liter V12 and five-speed manual transmission, less than 10,000 miles from new. Now the one-year trend on these is way up, of 53.1%, a tremendous amount. And you can see why this is, this could be one of those situations where the estimates are just not keeping up with the actual demand uh, for these cars. All right, the next one we have is what I would call a next gen car. It's a 2013 Bentley Continental Supersport ISR convertible. 
I think these Bentley Continentals are one of the most attractive cars that has been, have been built in the last 15 years or so. Estimate on this one was 120 to 140, sold for over $200,000. This was built to commemorate the Flying Kilometer Ice Speed record, so it is a special edition, one of, one of 100 built, just showing 60 miles since new. So it's a brand new car, Arctic White with ISR Mulliner design package. Uh, you know what, it has red graphics to it, black interior with red piping, so very attractive color combination, pretty cool car, and it overachieved high estimate. All right, just a few more here, three more here. The next one's another Porsche, surprisingly. The 1956 Porsche 356A 1600 Super Speedster. Now this is the iconic Porsche Speedster that was really kind of made as the Econobox for the US. Uh, changes were made, stuff was deleted, so it would be a faster, fun ride and yet it's actually worth more today uh, than it was when it was new as compared to the other models. All right, so estimate was 275 to 325. It sold for 335, so just a little bit over high estimate. Among the most famous and treasured sports car designs of all time, this one was desirably equipped from new with the potent super engine and delivered to Munich. It's black with red interior, very attractive color combination. The one-year trend is up 5.7%, and this one looks like one of the really nice ones to have. So it sold uh, for pretty strong money. All right, two more to go. Uh, this is definitely a blue chip, chip collectible, the 1958 Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Roadster. Now, forever, these were trading for around a million dollars, maybe a little bit under. They typically lagged behind the Gullwings but they're also known as a more enjoyable driving experience when compared to the Goldwings. Not as cramped, not as hot. This one is absolutely stunning. This one has medium blue metallic over dark red leather interior. It has the red wheels that are also that blue color. Just stunning. The estimate was 1.7 to 1.9. Um, to me, that is a very strong estimate. Uh, usually you would see these cars more around the 1.5 to 1.6 range. And yet this one sold for $1.82 million. Numbers matching engine, gearbox, and body restored in 2011. So it's not a fresh frustration, but it still looks incredibly nice. One year ownership, I'm sorry, one year market trend is up 5.9%, uh, but this one sold very, very, very well. Absolutely stunning. All right, our last one is kind of a quirky car, as I would call it. It is a 1952 Allard K2 uh, special Roadster. Now this is one that surprised me in that it sold significantly under the low estimate. I guess I should have had this in another bucket. Estimate was $175 to $215,000. Now these are really interesting European designed with American power plant. Kind of the pre-Cobra. Uh, Carol Shelby was known for driving racing these. Kind of gave him the idea for the formula for the Cobra. So they're pretty hairy to drive. Uh, my understanding is they're pretty tough to drive. Um, one of, that might be one of the reasons why these have kind of suffered recently in the marketplace. So uh, it hammered sold for just under $118,000. Let's see. So a special significant Allard K2 specified from new with J2X options. The J2X is the one you really want to have. So this one had some of those options built into it. 
It was exhibited at the 1952 New York Auto Show, which that is really cool. I've always loved these because they're like older Cobras, you know, so they're just really cool. They have that European flair to them, the big V8 engine in front. This one has, uh, let's see, Chrysler Hemi V8. It was fully restored under previous ownership and maintained for competition with many careful, carefully considered upgrades. So this one is actually built for vintage racing, which might be another factor into it selling for under the low estimate because uh, it might not be able to go directly onto street. It looks like it can, but maybe not. So still a beautiful, cool car. All right. As always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Uh, if I will see you in Amelia Island, shoot me a note. I would love to meet you in person. Just shoot me a note at Greg at the Collector Car Podcast or G Stanley at RM Sotheby's. And let's go grab a coffee, a milkshake, or a beer. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>